0: This week's episode is sponsored by the MacSmiths of Hackney. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we are joined by filmmaker extraordinaire Esther Turan. She not only runs a full-service film production company, Movie Bar, with Victoria Trepper, which is based in Budapest in Europe, but she's also a director in her own right, uh, making the films BP Underground. And she's a producer of Neil Marshall's latest feature film, The Reckoning, we talk all about that and how you can co with different countries and take advantage of the tax breaks. And we talk about her rise to being a Hollywood producing entrepreneur. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. Honestly, we ridiculously appreciate it. I am Charles Alderson. I'm a director, producer and I'm a screenwriter and my movie The Dare is out now in the USA and Canada so if you have watched it, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, please do. If you're in those countries, please go watch it and uh, why not give it a lovely review on Amazon. It would mean the world to me. I promise you it really, really would. Uh, we are doing very well at the moment. There's lots of interviews around the place, especially with Richard Brake, one of our leading uh, stars of the movie. So do check them out. Go on to our Twitter at The Movie, and you'll see all the links, and you can listen into that and how that movie got made. Though, obviously, I bang on about it enough on here. I'm also the producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is out now. But, and this is really, really cool news, we are going to be on Sky Premiere from this Thursday, May the 7th. Now, you can say, Oh, cool, cool, you got on Sky Premiere, but no, 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 for a little micro-budget indie film like A Serial Killer's Guide to Life to get on a platform like Sky Premiere. And not only that, but to be featured in the Radio Times as pick of the week ahead of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is absolutely breathtaking. Uh, it means the world to us. Stan cousins Rose has done an amazing job and everyone on that film who worked in it should be proud as punch. So there you go. Check out Serial Killers Guide to Life and The Dare. Why not? Um, last week's episode was with Hollywood producer Todd Garner. If you haven't checked that out, you're foolish. It's so fascinating how he talks about the Hollywood system, how you can get your projects made and why now is the perfect time for you to go out there and come up with something original. Because people will listen right now. So yeah, check out that one, Todd Garner. And also the weeks before about how to distribute your indie film. They're all in the show notes. They're all there. All the links. Go, to, go listen to them. There's 162 now. Yeah. Um, Why not? So we've got some shout-outs this week to some amazing people. Uh, All the lovely people who do retweet and comment. I can't shout-out you all, but some of you, you get an extra special shout-out this week. Uh, Lindsay Bennett Thompson, shout-out to you. Colin Gowdy, not only is he the uh, editor of Star Wars Rogue One, but he's also a really cool guy as well. Um, The Shakespeare Sisters, they have their release of their movie uh soundtrack to 16 is available now um they have been on the podcast they have talked to us and you about how you can go out there and make a movie uh for nothing on their own that is episode 118 just with their pals they made that um it's so cool it's a really cool little indie film so feel good coming of age uh, film following two anxious teens growing up in London uh, it's nostalgic, it's honest and um, above all relatable Dom Lemoir my fellow host on the Make Your Film event and occasional podcast guest as well, uh, is also involved in producing that movie, so do check that out if you can, it is called A Soundtrack to 16 and it's made by the Shakespeare sisters um, also shout outs to Matt and Tory Butler Hart, I mentioned them last week but I want to give a proper shout out they're actually doing it now, they're filming their movie in lockdown just the two of them how cool is that they're making a feature right now Uh, Infinitum it is called so do follow that on Twitter Um, do follow just go to uh, it was Fizz and Ginger but they had to take that down which is highly annoying so I think it's Matt Matt and Tori Butler Hart on Twitter now them Victor Rios. shout out to you thank you brother Kelly Jubilee uh, and uh, Christopher Taylor shout outs to all you guys thank you so much for your support uh, last couple of weeks so let's get to it shall we this is our latest episode with Esther Teran female filmmaking producer entrepreneur extraordinaire and movie bar co-owner sit back relax and enjoy
1: Okay, thank you. At least I have something else to do in quarantine, you know, besides know. Home, homeschooling and home teaching.
0: and Yeah, and all that. Because at the moment, it's a little bit frightening, isn't it? I how are you feeling? Obviously, you are you in Hungary now?
1: I am in Los Angeles. You're in um, Los
0: Angeles.
1: Y- yes, okay. I, I split my time in between LA and Hungary. But I let's say I spend two-thirds of my time in Los Angeles.
0: I have been to Hungary. I've been to Budapest a few times. I've shot a few oh. bits and pieces over there, and it's been really interesting when I've been and how they, you know, how they have everything over there and set everything up. It's um, it's a really really cool system they've got. I really like filming there. I filmed a lot in Bulgaria as well, but yeah, I've I have been to Budapest. Hmm.
1: Would you recommend to someone a uh, Hungary in terms of shooting over Bulgaria, or is it equal? I mean, is it similar experiences or
0: Very similar experiences. I think, uh, I mean, I've just shot in Bulgaria over the past sort of two and a half years on my movie, The Dare. So we shot that over there and I loved it. I had such a great experience because that was my movie. And I think when I was in them before, when I was acting in them, it was a different experience. (laughs) But yeah, I I, I just enjoyed the ethos of of filmmaking in foreign countries. I enjoyed how the Mm -hmm. crews were, how they all got on with it and worked really hard. And I really liked that. I respected um, both the countries, actually, Bulgaria and Hungary, for what they deliver. And I still think that now. I still think that you deliver brilliant movies and it's there's great tax rebates, especially in Hungary right now. And I think it's a good place people should go film there.
1: Yeah, uh, <coughs> obviously, I agree. <laughs> tell, me,
0: tell me more why you would agree to this. I know, but our listeners don't know. Um, well, tell them a little bit about filming in Hungary.
1: Sure. So, uh, as you mentioned, um, our tax refund policy is incredible because I believe it's the highest in Europe. If I'm not mistaken, it's uh, it's like thirty-seven and a half.
0: Thirty-seven and a half. Okay. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, which is which is incredible for you folks in the UK. First of all, it's really close. Um, It's only a two-hour flight, and any given European city can easily be recreated in Budapest, which is such a huge, huge um, advantage. Uh, our architecture and history is so eclectic that mm-hmm. you know from 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 any movie that takes place in the cold war era to 19th century classicism in Vienna and Paris it's all there and yes. Berlin and anything could be easily uh, recreated so this is this is one thing um the other thing is the very high quality of Production, uh, building sets, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really high quality, but, uh, you know, relatively cost effective. Yep. Um, so all the facilities, all the studios, all the water tanks, all the backlots that we have and the tax refund system together, and the cost-effectiveness, plus you know the, the 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 possibility of easily creating any European city, I think this is a very strong combo altogether. So that's why it's highly recommended to to come and shoot in Budapest. And now, my recent movie, which is called The Reckoning, and I'm sure we're gonna touch that topic, yeah. which was a a, a um, British and Um, American production and I happen to be one of the producers that was 16th century England and we have we have two medieval backlots so I mean in one of the backlots I do feel as if I have like a membership or something because I do shoot there so often (laughs) um yeah. I think I, I think I shot in this backlot um six or seven times already. So I really know like even though we sometimes, you know, we obviously modify the backlots and we redesign and we add parts and we rebuild certain parts, but I have a very personal relationship with the bridge there because it costed so much money that I sort of feel that as if I'd have a bridge in a medieval backlot mm-hmm. in a way. <laughs> Uh, and I go there very often. So um, yeah, so we have this amazing medieval medieval backlot, and it was, for instance, um, you know, a very smooth thing not to create 16th century England from scratch, but recreating it in an existing backlot.
0: Yes, I mean you've got. I mean, basically, you you run Movie Bar um, with Victoria Trepper. Um, which is obviously i suppose a service company out there and using the uh the back lots you have you know you've got incredible uh, studio space there you've got a wild west setup you've got an old mill you've got the dungeon the medieval uh, places you you mentioned there the exteriors and then you've got the Blo- brooklyn street as well so you've got your new york street and i imagine you've got loads of others as well and um yeah it must how did you first start setting how did you become involved with uh, movie bar, how did you set it up from the beginning? Was this your idea?
1: So, just um, a, a little uh, a correction, because I like I like to think more of us. Um, Not only as a service production company, but as a film production company, because we also have our original contents. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm in Los Angeles, because I do develop, you know, um, my own ideas um, and I I, I do have and I'm involved in so many productions also as a producer, not only as a service producer. Um, so yeah, so we are a a, a production company. We were established in Budapest, Hungary in 2004 and I was just freshly out of film school. So I don't know how I, I was brave enough to open my own production company, (laughs) but I was, um, and I teamed up with another female producer partner, which, which is back then, you know, it was pre Me Too movement, pre, everything so it, mm-hmm. it's you know we felt that we, we want to have this girl, pa- girl power thing sure. um, <laughs> uh, so I majored actually in, in uh, directing when I was in film school and I always um, describe myself as a creative producer because I'm very involved in the creative methods of any project that is on our plate yeah. Um, first we concentrated on uh, major, not that major, but on television commercials, so we sort of conquered in a way that world, and from local productions, within a year we found ourselves in regional and international productions, um, and we got to know so many amazing people because the film world is relatively small. Um, so so many people who who are major players in the TV commercial world in terms of filmmakers, they also do so many television and feature film work. Um, so you know it's a it's a small world, and, and in a way, anyone everyone knows everyone. And um, gaining uh, you know uh, quite success as a production company internationally in the world of TV commercials in 2013, I had a a sort of like a, um, I wouldn't say crisis, but I just, you know, I I sort of wanted uh, deeper meanings and I sort of had enough of TV commercials a little bit. And I, opened and I convinced my producer partner to open a television and film division. And Mm. that's, that's how it happened. And, um, we obviously, um, started to offer service to international productions. Uh, and also we started to create our own things. We invest in certain projects. We pre-finance certain projects. Um, we co-produce certain projects. Um, we, you know, we are just very busy and we are <clears throat> always searching for contents that are meaningful to us.
0: It's so lovely to hear that. It's so nice to hear that you set out to do this and you're achieving it massively. And I think that's, you know, it's a testament to you, but it's also pretty incredible. You know, you've made over what 500 commercials there and I think it's now 30 film and TV projects so far. You know, that's it's considering you've only you know it's not been that long since you started and uh and the fact that you you know you did go through a bit of a crisis with this i think it's incredible i think it's really Thank incredible you. we should be very proud i think it's lovely and i think everyone should go check out movie bar and they should check out hungry i think it's i do think it's a great place for filmmakers to go um for sure for sure
1: yeah yeah um we, I mean, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that uh, Hungary and Budapest is one of the most popular filming destination, not only in Europe but in the world. But um, my goal is and our mission is um, not only to attract, uh, you know, major studio movies. I mean, you, you know, you you are European just like me, or mm-hmm. yeah, but but in the, in this continent, in the United States, it's either a studio movie or an independent movie. So my goal is also to attract indie filmmakers um, that even if you have only, let's say 5 million as a budget or 10 million, Mm -hmm. you can can create magic because basically we specialize in giving you more. So a movie that we shoot could look so much more expensive, but we Mm -hmm. can create, you know, really spectacular sets and everything could look
0: so much more expensive yes totally agree with that Uh, i I think that every time i've worked in those places everything always looks more expensive than it was shot for and i think that's uh, a big achievement i think it's 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 definitely worth looking at what about projects that are a little bit lower in budget because we have a lot of indie filmmakers in the uk or people who are starting out and they go well i might be able to raise a certain amount of money and actually you've got a wild west set there and i want to go shoot my movie there what happens if someone's got a a, a little bit less money is it still something that you look at is that do you is it just budgets of high end or are you actually looking at budgets that that are lower
1: so basically um we 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 are filmmakers and you know there are so many incredible filmmakers or stories um whom we would be interested in just because of who that person is or what the story is about. I'm giving you an example. And now that I'm talking to you from the UK, maybe it's also an even more relevant uh, example. One of um, our first projects that was UK involvement in it, it was the indie director, uh, Peter Strickland. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you know his name. So He, he approached us um, with a horror anthology called The Field Guide to Evil. Yeah. Um, it's eight directors from all over the world with eight incredible stories that are all horror stories but based on folk tales. And I'm not a huge horror fan. However, you know, it's it, it's very ironic because um, I think I'm, yeah, I, I, for a reason. Um, horror movies are, you know, finding me nowadays very often. But anyways, uh, but 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 you know, with, with with this Peter Strickland project, I just did feel that there is, you know, um, something really meaningful um and it's not just another horror movie it's a horror movie that combines folk stories from all over the world Mm -hmm. and we can show the similarities in the subconsciousness of so many nations and i just thought that it's incredible so it was you know pretty low budget but we managed to produce it and 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 we invested in 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 that sequence of the anthology and it's an incredible piece. And we opened uh, uh, in, in, in the prestigious South by Southwest Festival two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, also for me as a newcomer in the States, because I moved to L.A. and I opened Movie Bar's office two years ago. It was such a great coincidence that here I am in Hollywood. And the first thing that I'm doing is going to South by Southwest with one of my movies, which opens so there.
0: Cool. So, so cool. cool.
1: It was as if it was orchestrated, but it was not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) because you started out as a, a, a casting director, right? I mean, you certainly did some casting before you moved into producing. Was that something you thought about doing for a while? Was that your way in?
1: It's so interesting that you ask this question because it doesn't come up that often nowadays. So um, I I I was into acting just like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in high school, I I, I trained hard. I lied about my age to a famous acting studio in Budapest. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) And actually my aunt is... um, Why would you know? But my aunt is one of the most known actresses of my country. She was in every Hungarian movie in the 60s and 70s. She's, you know, she's quite an iconic figure. So, and my dad is a playwright. So first of all, you know, I kind of grew into that bohemian Mm. um, world. And it's so funny because our family parties, when I was a child, it was all about theater and film and people from the industry, um but then, um I just realized that acting is not for me, because especially in Hungary, I did feel that actresses are not treated uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a fair way. Mm-hmm. It's too much dependency, and i even back then I was you know kind of willing to want control without knowing it uh but anyway, so I left acting, and um then I found you know, uh, interest in directing. And that's why I went to film school. Um, and as a film student, um, as a freshman, one of my professors asked me if I want to participate in an American shoot. And I said, of course, that it course, was Dost- yeah. Do- Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment. Oh, and the main, main, and the main star was Ben Kingsley. Yep. And I, happened to be his assistant which which was amazing i mean his, his his i mean even just to watch him how he prepares for the roles and mm-hmm. i mean I, I don't need to tell you that cuz you, you you probably know what i mean like i just learned so much from being on that set and you know uh, being close to Ben Kingsley um, and in film school as a student I, I you know i became assistant and production assistant and ad And then since I spoke English, so being a casting director kind of like found me. It's not that I wanted to be a casting director. (laughs) I know what
0: you mean. Yeah, these jobs find you, don't they, sometimes.
1: Exactly. And having, you know, the background in acting and knowing, you know, a lot about how to get a performance out of an actor and uh, how to help an actor. And I was really young, so... Um, it it's kind of bizarre that me being 22 or 23 did the casting for entire foreign productions for the local roles. You know, I had a lot on my shoulders, like the entire Hungarian uh, acting community, you know, was sort of like, uh, um, you know, in front of me. And um, I did a, a five or six major movies as a casting director and a lot of commercials.
0: Yeah, you did, but, well, Den of Lions was a, you know, it's a, it's a big movie, Stephen Dorff, Bob Hoskins, uh, Ian Hart, you know, some brilliant English actors in there, Laura Fraser as well. You know, that's, you know, that's, the, wow, you know, you were dealing, that's just you casting, so you were in the, you know, you were doing the big time almost straight away, which is fascinating, I suppose.
1: Thank you, but well I mean, I'm, which is good and bad, I o- I'm always eager for challenges, so... Mm. If I feel too, too comfortable in a role or in a position or in a situation, I just have this need to move on. So okay. fasting wasn't a challenge for me uh, towards me graduating from film school. It was not challenging enough intellectually. And I just didn't feel like how can I grow, you know, because mm-hmm. I kind of like reached everything Without wanting it, in a way, like what 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 can you what can you do more in Hungary besides casting major American movies, right? Like yeah. that's, that's that's the top. So I um, became a, a, an assistant to a producer for a couple of months, mm-hmm. and I sort of I think you can also learn from negative examples. I just I just thought that this is not how I imagine producing. Um, and I also think there was also a generation difference. I was young and, and you know, uh, with, with, with a fresh eye. And yeah. as I said, I, I mean, I'm really proud of that. That You know, obviously filmmaking is a business. And yeah. the more and more I, I spend time in the States, you know, every day something reminds me of that. But I do believe in Europe we are also true filmmakers in a way. Like that's why I became a producer. That's why I became a filmmaker. And it's not all about profit. It's more about the core more about you know having your own voice and, and telling the story and I think with this in my head uh, that that was my philosophy when I when I uh, um, established movie bar that I, I want to do something different I, I want to have a fresh eye and I and not I'm not only you know all for profit but as I said for meaningful things and even in the TV commercial world I always went for creativity and we've won so many awards and we experienced and we had the budgets because in TV commercials, you do have great budgets or at least back then we did have great budgets and we could just, it was like a filming playground for us, you know? Mm.
0: Yeah. That sounds so, I mean, it's even fascinating listen to you talk about it and how excited you sound. What did you learn from that producer when you were assisting that you didn't want to take forward i think it's really interesting because a lot of our producers who are listening to this podcast they can sometimes get lost in someone else's world someone else's producing world what was it that made you go i don't want to do work with this person anymore you know in terms of the ethos or they weren't striving to make good films like you were
1: Wow, it's uh, tricky because I obviously want to be politically correct <laughs> and Got I don't want to hurt okay. anyone. Um, as I said, I think the main difference in between myself and that specific producer or that typecast, because I think it's also typecast, mm-hmm. is being in the industry for the profit and only for mm-hmm. the business aspect of it or being here with a filmmaking background and I mean, are you a, are you a true filmmaker or are you a businessman? And I think that's what I understood. And maybe I could have made I don't know ten times more money in my life. Mm. But this is this is not not my not my not not necessarily my 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 only goal. My goal is: Are there going to be meaningful products, projects, films after me? Is there? Can I make a difference? Can can with my help something? come to life you know that's that's meaningful i think this is i mean should we invest our profit in 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 something business oriented or should we invest our profit in a in a short film of an upcoming filmmaker you know Mm -hmm. like these are the sort of like questions and points that i could name
0: that's great no that's really good and thank you for answering it's it's not an easy question i imagine but uh (laughs) yeah it's very well answered i think it it, it's shouts of volumes that you want to make films that you care about and believe in and it isn't just about profit obviously it's called the film business for a reason and we have to make profits to survive but at the same time you want to make films that you believe in and it sounds that you're exactly that um and obviously we're going to get onto the reckoning very soon which is clearly neil marshall's latest film and and for those of you who listen to this podcast regularly neil marshall was on the podcast uh and he talks all about um making films and he was just about to go make the reckoning when um we've recorded so you can listen to that uh it is episode 89 and 90 but i will put links in the show notes so and let's um obviously we talk about movie bar and that's great again i'll put a link to that in the show notes so all our producers and filmmakers can see that but for for you then what's it um let's talk about your process as a producer and for someone like me for example who wants to come and make a film and we go let's go produce it let's go get it made over in hungary let's go to budapest and shoot this what would be the best way to shoot on location what's the best way for us to say this is how we go and do this
1: so i receive obviously anyone is more than welcome to reach out to me uh, mm-hmm. um, through movie bars website um so yeah so people do approach to us um especially now that i'm located in the us i am trying to create sort of like a bridge in between american filmmakers and especially American indie filmmakers and, and us and other people in Europe. Cause even though we are located in Hungary, it's very important that we have sort of like sister companies in so many other countries. And we co-produce so many things. I mm-hmm. mean, I've been involved in a massive, in the biggest Austrian and German TV series two years ago. It's called Maximilian. Yeah. It's a, it's a three episode periodical drama, um, about the first Habsburg Emperor, which was, you know, really a, a huge budget comparing to Europe, so we did that. Um, we also work so frequently with Scandinavia, especially with Sweden. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Swedish cinema, by the way, and Swedish television, and I, I'm i so fortunate that for a reason from an early stage, I just really clicked with Swedish filmmakers and, and we've done and we collaborate and you know co-produced and, and and just did so many things with sweden um one of my projects was with the creators of the Breach tv series
0: if oh, you, if wow you, yeah of course mm-hmm. yeah it so i
1: um I, I co-produced their latest feature film called the swoon in english mm. which which premiered um in 2019 in stockholm um so Sorry about the <laughs> all the all the other details, but yeah, so these people uh, sort of find me and I find them in a way, and you know obviously, I have a huge network. So if a project or a producer reaches me, then first, obviously, I I, uh, I do research and I read whatever material he or she has. Mm-hmm. And if I find any interest or if I think it's manageable or my colleagues think it's manageable in Hungary and with our help or with our sister company's help, then, you know, we start a dialogue. I believe that, you know, filmmaking is, is a long Conversation, right? It's a long dialogue. Like you, you, ne- you need to have. What do you need? You need to have time, mm-hmm. and you need to have patience, and <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and then things can happen. It's not. It's not a fast uh, uh, process, right? Filmmaking no. is not a. That's not a. It's not a fast uh, process. So you know, we start a dialogue, and, and and I believe in chemistry, and also in 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 you know in collaborations. I mean do you find the common voice or you don't? And if, you know, if the chemistry is there and, and, and the story is there, then, then then you start to brainstorm and who can be involved and, and what can we offer. And for instance, we have a huge uh, uh, in-house archive I don't know if it was clear, but even though I'm located in Los Angeles, uh, my producing partner Vicky and our entire crew is located in Budapest, Hungary, and we have a great office Mm. and um, we have a great location archive and our crew. Um, So, you know, first we start to um, sort of like give uh, um, examples from our archive which resonates with the script or briefs that we receive. Um, If we think that it's, you know, manageable to shoot that specific project in in Hungary. And then obviously we can help in a way in financing, whether we, you know, channel in some private investors or we can help with loans. Um, We can help with, you know, Funds, and we can, we you know, we can help with so many things. And, um, you know, if if it becomes more serious, then you know, we have some, you know, certain agreements, and and then we just start the pre-production, and then you know, we are ready to shoot. <laughs> I think that's the, yeah, that's the process.
0: Um, in terms of, would you expect from the off, uh, the production company say? mine uh to come in with money uh, so someone from england want they've got a project would you already expect them to have um some investors in place is that how it normally works
1: um
0: we've oh. never
1: we've never dealt with a project that doesn't have any money okay. usually we come in as a co-producing partner when it comes to financing or we don't have to finance at all any parts. It depends. We you know, because even though the half of the thirty-seven percent of the tax refund is huge, mm. uh, we always offer the pre financing of the thirty seven percent, which could really help with the cash flow. Yep. Um, that means that you don't have to have the hundred percent of your budget. So that could yes. that that already could be a huge help and then if you have if you don't even have the 70% of the budget that you're supposed to spend in Hungary then we can help with other solutions so uh, getting back to your question we just never dealt with a project that doesn't have any financial beginning or support Um, but with our local projects because we also shoot certain things as I said we also have our own Contents. Um, I started to direct, not just to produce a documentary yeah. series um, in 2015, and now we are shooting our fourth. So, for instance, that we financed and we found, you know, the 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 the, the sources for financing ourselves.
0: Yes. How are you finding? Um, thank you for that, by the way. Appreciate that explaining exactly what what someone would expect. And also, actually, before I get to my next question, in terms of. You have amazing crews there. So if someone from the UK, Europe, America wanted to come and shoot in Hungary, all the crews, you'd be able to line them up easily. You'd be able to get cast, extras, costumes, makeup. All of that's in place already, Um, right? We have
1: amazing crews. We have amazing facilities. We have amazing uh, um, cast, amazing extras, as you said, backlots, anything. I mean, it's so, you know, high quality and so... um, up-to-date and always um, changing uh, and always the newest technologies and the newest facilities so yeah i mean it's i don't have any complaints <laughs> i think we are really fortunate You.
0: i totally agree i totally agree um so you've not only produce um but you do direct and i think that's really interesting that you you mentioned there about your projects and you've got one before we come on to the reckoning obviously we talk about bp underground this is your electronic music Project that you've sort of been, uh, from what I can see, been doing for a while. And this is you, you're mentioning there, you've got another film based on this um, coming up. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about this and how it came about?
1: Sure. So, as I said, uh, for, for its good and for, and for its bad purposes, I just, uh, if I feel too comfortable in a situation, I just search for the next intellectual challenge. And a few years ago, I just did feel the urge of not only producing things, but actually directing things. Um, Mm -hmm. Because while you're a producer and I love to be a producer and I am a producer, but you're in a way you're, you're you're the parent of someone else's baby, if you know what I mean. And I just felt like I want to have my own baby. And I Mm -hmm. think I reached an age, um, you know, getting closer to 40 when I do have in a way nostalgia for what I've been through as a teenager. And I think it's such a meaningful period. So BP Underground documentary series that I started to create with another female partner. Um, Her name is Anna Koltai and she's my directing partner and together Mm -hmm. we created BP Underground. So it's basically, it's a documentary series about certain youth subcultures that, that are or were meaningful to us growing up in Hungary. So it's not only about electronic music, that's the third episode, but the first one, believe it or not, but i was very much into um i was this hardcore punk kid when i was i
0: love uh, it i love <laughs> it i can imagine that i can imagine that <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you and also you know uh just the similarities because all those subcultures like hardcore punk or the second that bizarre discussed hip-hop those are very um and um, either uk or American, uh, uh, you know, they, their origin is either from the UK or from the States. They did have major, you know, influences. I mean, you know, not just in Hungary, but all over the world. But what what we wanted to portray is how a subculture, like let's say punk that really comes from the UK, what kind of effects it did have on Hungarian youth in early nineties, um, when we were, you know kids or late 90s or early 2000s. So, you know, we we sort of like portrayed our bands and our venues that were famous and and what kind of fancies kids were reading and how did they dress and, you know, just uh, sort of like a a tour guide to someone who who was in it and someone who was not in it, just to to have a hint on how it was, you know, being a, a rebellious teenager. Um, I love
0: it. I totally. That's totally my vibe. I used to DJ when I was a, certainly a student, all the way up to us about uh, maybe in thirty. Was when we stopped, maybe just before that. But yeah, totally into electronic music and that vibe. And I think this is really cool and interesting and throwback to your youth. And I think I think that's great as filmmakers to do something you're really passionate about. And I think that's really important. Speaking of passions, um, it is essential during this time, this downtime, um, for you to be able to stay working from home, right? and stay connected. Basically, I want to tell you about the Maximiths. It's an Apple Mac repair shop that is gorgeous, by the way, if you ever had a chance to go there, in Hackney, that are open during this lockdown. I have been to Paul and the guys there at the uh, Maximith many, many times to upgrade to my own Mac, just when I thought it was going really slowly, just when I thought it's too old, I'm going to get rid of it and buy a new one. I went to see Paul and he said, no, no, we just need a new circuit board or whatever the hell it is or a new screen or whatever it was i don't know he fixed it and it was so much quicker and cheaper than buying a new mac and it works brilliantly. They're super quick. They always got my Mac back to me, working better than ever before. And they'll pretty much sort it out for you on the same day. I think with mine, it was uh, a couple of hours. Like I say, they are based in Hackney in East London. Basically during this lockdown, obviously it's great, you think, oh God, I can't go into the shop, but they have got procedures in place so that social distancing... Guidelines are adhered to and they're uh, disinfecting everything, he's assured me, uh, that comes in and out of the shop. And they're open from 9.30 to 5.30, Monday to Friday, but they'll take your call anytime. time. Um, so basically, they can bring anything back to life and they can transform your old Mac with a few tweaks and upgrades into something that'll run like new. Um, so before you give up on your Mac because you think it's too old or slow or you're about to bin one that you think you've destroyed, give them a call and just have a chat about your options it is the max smith they are brilliant i highly highly recommend so i'm delighted that they are sponsoring this week's episode uh the number is 0207 739 6633 or go to themaxsmiths.com that's www.themaxsmiths.com uh esther sorry about that right jump straight back in (laughs) how did you manage to raise Funds was it you know was it your idea in the first place? I imagine so. Being producer and director, how did you manage to go right? I want to do this. How do I raise funds and how do I shoot it?
1: So the first was uh, completely self-funded with the help of Vicky Trapper, my my producing partner. So we just mm. invested as, as an as an experience. Uh, we sort of like uh, um, you know uh, told the crew that you you know we beg you we gave you so much money now now and so much work, please, please, uh, you know, work work for us for less or half price or yes.
0: don't, yeah, don't yeah. make
1: any money for the cause and, and things like that. And, <laughs> Absolutely, so, please, so, so, please do. Yeah, yeah, so we begged and, and it worked and they helped because, you know, we, we don't really ask that many favours. Um, yeah, so the first was totally self-funded and the second one, uh, because with the first one, uh, we didn't really know what to expect and it, as I said, it's it's quite a unique thing because about the legendary eighties, um, uh, uh, you know quite a few documentation already happened but about the 90s no one no one really talked about the 90s in Hungary until now because it's too close yeah.
0: but already not
1: mm-hmm. that close if you know I what know I mean me. I do yes and for us this, this, these were the meaningful times plus as I said 2000 so uh, we didn't know what kind of expectations uh, uh, are going to happen and actually people loved it and it became sort of like a mission so for the second episode that portrait the hip-hop and then we got some fundings from our government because they realized that wow these girls are doing some kind of a mission they are portraying youth subcultures and no one ever did that before mm. um and then we gained you know attention with that and and we we won a prize we won this you know huge um award in hungary for creative achievement which That's was super. quite nice
0: yeah and the, congrats the, and the,
1: Thanks. And then the third one, which you mentioned, which was about it, it's it's a recent one. It was about the electronic music mm-hmm. scene, which is again like what is it? It's like twenty different genres, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But um yeah, raves and parties and, and techno, and for that we received money from telecom because they have a festival which is called Electronic Beats, which is a huge festival all over Europe. Uh, obviously it's for the electronic music scene, and we found them and we gave them a presentation about this idea. And previously, you know, now you know that in my past i, I worked, uh, uh, we, we produced so many commercials. So I had personal relationship with Telecom because we produced so many TV commercials for them. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. And
1: they kind of yeah. like knew me and they liked me in the past and we did, you know, high-quality stuff together. So they did find... um pass you know a good opportunity and they just they just gave us the money, so and now, I
0: love that. I love the way you just and they just gave <laughs> us the money. I love it. I, did you have to fill out? I mean, was it a case of you had to go on pitch and fill out forms and stuff oh, like that? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, okay, I, good, I, good.
1: I flew back especially <laughs> for that presentation from NA last
0: right.
1: April, and it was you know it was very serious. It took like two hours to convince them. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and now it's in every Hungarian household. It's rentable from from their platform. They can hear about whatever happened in, I don't know, in 94 in that outdoor
0: raves in the woods in the outskirts of Budapest. <laughs> so, so cool. Did you manage to find, did you get a load of um, archive footage? Did you get a load of old videos of people raving of that period? And oh,
1: absolutely. I mean...
0: Especially if, in the 90s because 90s was the start of video cameras, you know, those home video cameras that were just a bit crap quality. But oh, tell me
1: was, about it. Like, <laughs> you don't know how much you suffer during post-production I'll in bet. the editing you know, like, the it good? quality oh my god i like, know exactly.
0: and why did they burn in the time codes? burn in the time code in a day and a date and you're like oh god how do we get that off
1: <laughs> yeah but you know what it's it's also the beauty of it like we were just like okay this is raw but the entire yeah. Yeah, i mean we didn't want to polish anything because it's just raw and yeah. we also talk about topics that should be discussed like drugs you know and it's mm-hmm. just it's all In the documentaries it's all in the in the episodes like you know everything that even what i'm trying to say is not only the beauty of it but also the the ugly side of everything and the you know the the limitlessness and the and the craziness and the you know everything else not just the euphoria not just the happiness but you know the the other aspects
0: yes yeah the downside to it and there is there is always downside it sounds like you really enjoyed the whole process and directing and i imagine you want to direct more is that correct uh
1: yeah as a matter of fact uh before corona i uh, flew back to hungary and we started the fourth episode which is going to portray the rock scene wow which is also you know something that's so close to my heart
0: this is this is lovely thank you so much let's talk about the reckoning then and how that sure. came to you how you came on as producers and serve serviced the production and worked with neil and all that let's talk Go from the beginning then how did you first hear about the reckoning and neil marshall how did it come to you
1: so there was a german producer um whose name is stefan and he was involved in 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 the pre-production and mm-hmm. he heard about me maybe it's because of my other uh um, UK productions, I believe. Maybe it's because of the Field Guide to Evil that I did with uh, Peter Strickland. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm, uh, I'm, you know, sort of certain people in the UK in the film world kind of heard about me. And he, and he lives this German producer. He lives in London, so he contacted me from London, and I knew who Neil Marshall is. And I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I have to admit. Uh, so obviously I was, you know, interested, uh, mm-hmm. and I knew, and I knew that Neil Marshall lives in, in 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 Los Angeles, so it it seemed like a smart move, you know, to be involved because it also helps me with my American plans and American, you know, uh, uh, goals. Yes. Um, and I and I got the script, and I, as I said, I'm not necessarily a horror movie fan, but I really like the idea that there's a strong female character in the focus yeah uh, and i mean as i said earlier i i am really uh, searching for meaningful things and 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 messages and you know um i'm especially uh even before the me too movement i was always interested in uh, telling female stories and 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 putting women in focus which is you know uh, um something that i also like uh, specifically in the reckoning. So we started conversations with the producers. Uh, Stefan introduced me to the other producers. And um, luckily, they found me um, at the end of spring last year. And I always spend the summer in Hungary. So I was a month away from going back to Budapest to spend my summer there. Uh, And we, we arranged a meeting. A, a month from when we first started to talk and then we could meet in person
0: and then you know
1: when I meet uh, people uh, in person in Budapest then we, or, we are already prepared so I already you know showed them as I said to you locations and, and we started to, to uh, um, you know discuss details and obviously it's always the budget issue and we you know seems like we, we uh, built a, an attractive budget uh and the 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 rest is history and then you know neil was there and he he got a room in our office and i never saw him leaving that room no i'm just kidding
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's funny yeah neil's neil's wonderful character is really interesting and thoughtful director and just you know he's made some wonderful films so um I imagine that they'd brought in quite a package of money. Would, were you also bringing in some funds as well from, obviously you got the, the the tax rebate over there, the 37%. Were you also having to find funds there or were you building sets there? Was that your, what were you were bringing to the table as a, you know, movie bar production, if you like?
1: We um, helped uh, with, the, with the cash flow situation. We helped... Great. The production running, I would say, we managed. It was very important to us to finish that movie and to have that movie. So we put a lot of effort into, you know, just having a smooth production and having, you know, everything um, um, very professional and smooth and I think we achieved it. I mean, I met Neil and Charlotte, the, the lead actress in LA, uh, a couple of months ago, and they showed me already, you know, some editing. And you know, obviously, I still have a lot to do with that movie. As a matter of fact, I'm having a, a conversation tomorrow with with with, with the other uh, producers uh, who are on board. Um, yeah, so it was, you know, a, a, a fantastic experience, great shoot, amazing result. You know, now the only thing is, what kind of festivals uh, can we go to? You know, I'm so happy that eventually we 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 weren't uh, finished with post production, and that's why we couldn't go to South by Southwest. And now it's such a such a such a blast because you know the, the, that festival is not. I mean, it, you know, it was canceled. I mean, they mm-hmm. did give the prices, but or the awards, but but the the festival did not happen. So I really hope that we can open in an old fashioned way. Not, yes. not 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 the online way or whatever you know I mean mm-hmm. I for instance I um we won a an award in LA for our documentary for the electronic music scene a couple of weeks ago in LA
0: Yay.
1: it's Good called independent international independent film awards and we, we won the golden award or whatever but it's so funny because all, all of a sudden I received an email with an online award you know
0: <laughs> Why? Oh, wow
1: yeah, so I'm like, what, you know? And then I just realized that the festival was canceled, but they, they're still giving out the the prices, and it, it's it's still it's still a good feeling, but you receive something online, so it's sort of like you don't you don't, you cannot be part of the whole experience,
0: you know. No. You and film cannot... festivals are so much fun, and yeah, being involved in that is is that whole scene is. Really great for filmmakers. You meet other filmmakers. It's a, a positive vibe. It definitely is. It's a shame the reckoning didn't get that. You know, or it might do obviously if they all open up again. But yeah, yeah well,
1: well, but that's one thing. We weren't ready, so it's a, it's a it's a fortunate thing. So mm-hmm. now I'm really happy that we we weren't ready. We we haven't finished post production, and it's it's a good thing because now you know hopefully we can go to Toronto and hopefully there's going to be a toronto Film festival who knows but let's hope so. let's hope for the best yeah. yes. uh, so it's all ahead i mean yeah I'm, I'm which positive. is yeah. which is
0: positive because the reckoning is you know i'm so excited to see it you know you mentioned there charlotte charlotte kirk she's the star of it she also co-wrote it with neil and uh, edward ever swindle as well but I think, you know, there's quite a few people I know So got an amazing cast for Sean Pertwee, Ian White, Stephen Waddington, um, Rick Warden's in there as well, who I know well, um, and Bill Fellows, and so many other great people. And I think people are very excited to see Neil Marshall's next movie that isn't Hellboy, you know what I mean? Because of all the the situation that happened with Hellboy, which is, you know, wonderful to get a studio movie like that, but also it's it's never easy. Um, Absolutely, you don't have artistic... You don't have artistic control as much, and I think Neil obviously has come straight back to doing something that he can control and that his is his voice, and I, and I think a lot of people are very excited to see the reckoning and see Neil being back to being Neil again. You know, Um I think that's exciting. What do you what tell, talk us through the process then of actually shooting it Um uh, from your angle? How was it for you? Was it an easy shoot? Was there any issues? Did you have to? Uh, do any solving as a producer it wasn't an easy project but it
1: was a it was a fun project if you know what i mean like uh, it was difficult because a lot of parties were involved and you know the more are involved uh, the more difficult it could get uh we needed to work very hard to make it happen there were certain difficulties during the shoot that we didn't expect but we managed it and I, I think I think you're gonna, you know, we we're all right. gonna forget about it eventually because the end result will talk for itself. So,
0: and it's true. What we can you talk about some of the issues that some of our filmmakers can learn from here? Was there anything that you go well, actually I can share? If you can't share it, it's fine. But if there's something you can share, you go well. Actually, well, this um, would have been different. Be okay, great. this is this
1: is this is. I think it's the, the most honest I could be. I think shooting a movie with with people, it's it's like taking a risk of a relationship or moving in with with someone. Like it could be the best dating experience, but when you live together, it, it, it could be different. So uh, you always you you're never really mm. gonna know. Like, even though if you have the toughest contracts and the toughest lawyers, but at the end of the day, what counts is how people behave and how parties behave during, during a production, and, and you never really know. So we had some difficulties because some, some financial so- sources just stopped supporting us, you know? And, and this is something that you cannot uh, right. um, you cannot uh, uh, see because you cannot uh, predict you cannot you can never tell because no one is willing to tell you oh hey I'm gonna stop financing your movie you know <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but I think yeah. I'm lucky that I have enough experience and I'm lucky that I'm not panicking I think it's important not to panic because you can always solve everything and. I have a wonderful line producer uh, who is such an amazing help, um, and he's he's such a calm source. And you know, everyone we have a, a fantastic tax uh, expert. He's uh, uh, one of the very few who actually helped creating that law in Hungary. You know, for the tax refund system. So he really knows everything about the tax refunds. Um, and for me, this is the most important because at the end of the day that's one of the most attractive elements why people come to shoot with us. So that has to be hundred percent smooth. You know what I mean? Just, just, um, so, I, I totally yeah. do, so basically yeah. th- this is all I can say. You always take a risk. You never really know, be prepared for the burst because you never really know what's going to happen. But we did it, you know, together because we all believed in near Marshall, not near Marshall and we all believed in the reckoning and, 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 um, you know, we, we just we were. I think it's also uh, important sometimes to be more flexible than you're supposed to be. Um, otherwise, you know, mm-hmm. otherwise you can just um, you know, you might not achieve your goals. So yeah, so I think that that's to sum it to summing it up. But but in terms of production, um, Neil is so professional. He really knows what he wants. He's so prepared um um also the dp i don't know if 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 you guys talk yeah he's 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 incredible yeah of course looks such you know great um cinematographic looks as i said um amazing cast uh the production designer he's also very known in england Um his name is ian um exactly okay. uh he's oh, also Ian Bailey. fantastic and it was so great yeah, to work okay. with him uh, and you know it's always also a risk how the foreign head of product will get along with their local crews you know
0: yeah how do you go about because that can be tricky because when i you know when i've shot abroad and stuff it, it the language barrier can be sometimes a problem you know you ask for a red coat or whatever and you get a pink coat and that can be my fault for not explaining correctly but how how, what's the best way for people to go about that we
1: always very keen on providing you know english-speaking crew members so i think 90 percent of our crew members did speak english and those who did not they didn't have to be in direct contact with the with the foreign crew members so i -hmm. think it was just the smoothest um but it's also as i said it's also the chemistry so um, we we yes. again, like you never really know, but I think we were just lucky because everyone got along so well with everyone. Um, you know, we. I think the wrap party proves it because you know we we all yes, had a good, we all yeah. had a good
0: time. <laughs> ah, that's what it's about. It is because you forget all those little tiny problems, all those little issues that were bugging you, and suddenly at the wrap party, you go, oh, do you know what? It's fine. We all. Have, it's so hard making a movie. You know, um, you've exactly. got to let those go. You have to." Um, So can you give us some advice for filmmakers wanting to go into producing? Any advice, especially for shooting, you know, somewhere like Hungary? What advice could you give uh, a young English producer, a young American producer, a young producer?
1: Okay. Um, My advice would be that, first of all, you you have to believe in, in, in the project. And, you know, time is short. So try to pick the project or the project that you really have a soul for. You know, otherwise you don't don't waste your time. Like do something that, that that's really your call. I think this is this is very important because also if it's very meaningful to you, then I think you can get extra energy to the to the project, and I, I think it's important. Um, mm-hmm. The other uh, advice that I could give is just be creative. Try to find sometimes solutions for producing that are unorthodox solutions even or creative solutions like the example that i gave you with my first documentary that we had absolutely no money so you know we, we found creative mm-hmm. solutions we sort of you know had individual deals with, the, with, 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 with every single crew member whether it's please work for free or now please do it for half price and we're gonna pay you from our next project and, and you know just just so many you can yeah. you can be creative I mean, do favors for others and then ask those favors back as a producer or as a, as a, as a, as a junior producer. try to, I mean, you know, you can, um, for instance, work in a production company as a trainee or work for free for a while and then ask favors from the production company. They might help you, uh, just, you know, so many things, network, network and network, because what we do, we network, and our network is our power. Who do you know? Um, I really believe in personal connections. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I really think that what matters is um, not necessarily, unfor- and it, it could be fortunate and unfortunate, it's not even necessarily the quality of the project that you have. It, it's, it's also sometimes who you know and how well you know that person. So, you know, also, when I was younger, I, 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 and I, I, I don't mind admitting it, I did go out a lot, and I did go, you know, to the Cannes parties, and to the this festival, and that festival, and I traveled a lot, and I, you know, you just go out, you mingle, you socialize, mm. um, you know, you get to know people, because those relationships could, could establish you as a producer. Yes. Um, yeah, and collaborate, collaborate. Think about what you can bring on the table and offer it, and then ask, you know, from the other parties, you know, for favors and what can they bring to the to the table. And just find your camp, and just find your find your, you know, allies. Find the people who whom you have chemistry with, or you have a lot in common with, and and do projects with them. I never, I mean. My philosophy is that, as I said, if I don't feel comfortable in a situation or, or you know, in a project, then I just don't do it. Because why would I, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Totally. That's wonderful. That's some amazing advice there. I might be the best advice in a row that anyone's ever given. Congratulations. That was incredible. Really? Yeah. It was like six or seven. I wrote them all down. Maybe Eight. Brilliant bits of advice for for upcoming filmmakers. So good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, And finally, um, if someone's got uh, a budget which is under a million and they would still like to come and shoot at somewhere like Budapest at the studio there and with you guys, is that still possible? Is that something you would look at?
1: I... As, as I said, I believe in risk taking. So if the project or the filmmaker or something is convincing enough, then yes. For instance, um, who knows when uh, talents from from the states will will travel again to Europe? But if if it will happen, then I might produce another, interestingly, another horror anthology mm-hmm. for a friend of mine who is a director. Writer producer, mm-hmm. and just because I'm so I, I can't really I don't want to tell, tell her sure. name yet, but just because I'm so fascinated, you know, by her world and she's sort of like my mentor in Hollywood mm-hmm. in a way. So even though the budget is super super low budget, which is something that we we are you know less doing nowadays, but I but I but I was willing to to help mm-hmm. her out because I believe in her and I really think that those favors can can also return because what if her next project will be just like her previous project was which was huge you Mm -hmm. know so yeah absolutely if I do find interest or if my colleagues find interest in low budget project for a reason then yeah absolutely we might we might be able to help and we, we might want to help. Especially if you touch a, a, a topic that's close to my heart, you know. Who Amazing,
0: knows? <laughs> uh, Esther. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for talking to us so honestly and openly. And uh, imagine you've inspired lots of filmmakers. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for the brilliant, smart, clever question. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was—it wasn't uh, another interview, but it was a bit different. So uh, that's
0: what we do here, the filmmakers podcast, because well, we're filmmakers. You know, we we try and ask the right kind of questions, and you know, I think it's important. So thank you, Val.
1: And you know, and you know what baramba is in London. So yeah, you know. um,
0: there you go. I must be cool. Must be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. And where can people follow if they want to find you online?
1: Sure. So we have a website, which is called uh, uh, movie-bar.net. We have a Facebook page, which is, uh, you know, under the name of Movie Bar. Uh, we are on Instagram. I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook, you know. Yeah. Is that uh, just a- your name? Taran.
0: Taran. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. So I think people can follow me. I'm on Facebook. People can send me messages. People can reach me through Movie Bar. Uh, you know the you know it's the general email address, but my colleagues will, will forward it to me. Yep. and I'm more than happy to chat. And as I said, I'm, I'm really willing to build a bridge. And more and more, uh, we have a strategy how to uh, be being more known in the UK and how to collaborate more with UK filmmakers as well. Uh, Peter Strickland, Neil Marshall, so wonderful uh, um, experiences. So I really want to work more you know with with the uh, top uk
0: filmmakers or any uk filmmakers whom we found interesting so Perfect. yeah i love it
1: please, please reach out we'll do and
0: thanks and everyone will as so well so much for the chat my pleasure thanks so much have a lovely time if you can in quarantine and um, <laughs> i hope we're all allowed out soon and i can't wait to see the reckoning cannot wait so congratulations
1: thank you thank you have a all wonderful right. evening thank,
0: thank you. you take care bye you
1: too bye bye
0: so there we have it that was a fantastic chat with Esther Turan. So if you want to know more go to movie as you mentioned they go to movie-bar.net the in, all that info is in the show notes if you want to co-produce um with a studio over in hungary um then do get in touch the reckoning will be out soon neil marshall you can listen to his episode episode 89 and 90 i'll try and leave a link in the show notes. if not just type his name and the filmmakers podcast into google and you will you will find it um, thank you very much for listening we really appreciate it this has been another wonderful episode of the Filmworkers podcast i do say myself but that is because we had an amazing guest Esther Turan, and You will rightly agree. If you uh, could be so kind as to tweet her and say how much you enjoyed this, that would be amazing. And uh, do go like and share and subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast, because that's what it's about. And uh, try uh, very soon to go back out there and make your film. But In the meantime, you can do everything to go and make your film. You can script it, you can pre-package it you can talk to esther at, uh, at movie bar and see if you can co-pro over in hungary whatever it is you can keep taking steps forward to go make your film because you can make it happen and if you are lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator Bing. <laughs> back down i don't know what i was trying to do there. back down until next tuesday where we'll see you as always take care look after yourselves uh, i've been giles Olson.